Welcome to the New Books Network. Enveloped in layers of sweaters, a sheepskin coat, and a scarf and hat, I hurried into the warm embrace of the corner cafe, Café La Riviere. It was nearly empty, with tiny candles flickering on the tables. Only those overwhelmed by loneliness had ventured into the fierce cold. It was hot in there, a pleasant warmth, just right. I sat at the table by the window, and rather than hang the pile of sweaters, scarf, hat, gloves, and long coat on the hooks by the entrance, as most people did, I piled them on the empty chair beside me. This is G.P. Gottlieb, and today I'm talking to Sarit Ishai Levy about her novel, The Woman Beyond the Sea. It came out in 2019 in Israel and has just now appeared in English translation. The story centers on a young woman whose world collapses when her husband of one year informs her that he wants a divorce. She returns from Paris to her family in Tel Aviv and slowly loses her mind until she's forced into therapy by an aborted suicide attempt. Over months of confronting why she put her entire sense of being into the hands of an unworthy partner, Aaliyah meets and connects with a fellow patient, a traumatized, battle-scarred young man. She begins to ask questions about the brother who died, her mother's craziness, her father's enabling. But it takes a journey across the sea to learn the whole truth about her family. Hi, Sarit. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Galit. I'm very happy that you asked me to to join you. I'm very pleased. So how did you come to write The Woman Beyond the Sea? Well, I never planned in advance uh, what am I going to write. I always uh, start to write and then the story... um, build itself during my writing. I, 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 I didn't have any a previous uh, a idea what am I going to write about. I started to write about a, a woman who was sitting in a cafe house in Paris and, uh, you know, and her husband left her and so on and so on. And uh, suddenly it became actually not a love story between the man and the woman more than a, a love story between three generations of women love-hate story, and I didn't plant it, I must admit. I didn't know what I'm going to write about. That's interesting. Can you introduce Aliyah? To introduce her? <laughs> well, Aliyah is a young woman who fell in love with an author and really hoped that she's his muse. She actually is captured by him because he's using her feelings towards him, and uh, she became like uh, the woman who takes care of him. Without She give a lot and she get nothing. And then uh, one day he threw her out of his life in Paris. He lived live her in a, in a coffee house in a strange city, in a place where she don't speak the language, and she's, she's lost. And she's coming back home, and she's almost uh, losing her mind. But... Somehow, with the help of a, of a, a psychiatrist and the help of a new love that she met, she met a new a new love. She met a man on the on the sea, and uh, she rebuilt her life. 
during that time, the relationship between her and her mother are terrible. Her mother is a person that disappears every day for a few hours. Nobody knows why. Elia wonders why, but not too much. She, she hardly speaks to her mother. I, cannot, I can say that she, she doesn't love her mother, she, and her mother doesn't love her. They have a very, very complicated relationship. But while Elia finds herself inside her love to, her, to the new man in her life, Eldad, she's able to see her mother. The minute she, that, that moment that she saw her mother, she realized that her mother had a reason to behave the way she behaved. And they come, and they become close. And the... Okay, hold on, hold on. You're telling the whole story. I was just hoping for Aliyah. So now, why does Aliyah take so much abuse from Ari? She's a she's a she studied literature in the, in the university, and the the world of books is her her world. And he's a writer. He's a writer, and she adore him because he know how to write. And she believe really that she's his muse. She believe that she need to 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 help him to go through life, like to help him with the small, non-interesting things like going to the bank, going to the doctor, going to the pharmacy, doing things for him because she had to she believe that she have to make a place for him to write. She's like the muse of the you know, famous uh, writers like uh, like uh, the Russian the Russian famous writers, but the woman used to do everything, and the woman and the daughters used to do everything for her, for them, so they will have a place, a, a piece of heart to sit and write and uh, and do their their the work. She also believes that she is his muse, and it's very important for her. She's it's very important to her. That's why she do it. Okay. It's so interesting. Um, completely switching the subject, the bitter divide between Jews of Eastern Europe descent and Jews of Middle Eastern descent and Sephardic origin plays a huge role in women, the woman beyond the sea. But it was also important in your debut novel, The Beauty Queen of Jerusalem. Why is that something that you return to? I don't think that it's a big issue in the, in the woman beyond the sea. I don't think so. I don't think it's a, an issue at all, actually. It is a huge issue in the in the beauty queen of Jerusalem. That's true. But I don't I don't I, where did you find the, the issue in that book? In the Well woman because because um Lily uh Rachel Rochel was yes. Ashkenazi, and she fell in love with a Sephardic man, and his family didn't accept yeah. her. This is the continuity of the of the. Yes. This is the continuity of uh, the beauty queen of Jerusalem. She's from an old generation. She is the generation who was in Israel before the the independence, before forty eight. Lily and the and the Leah are the new generation, you know, mainly Elia. Elia, she's an Israeli. She was born in the state of Israel. She's a Sabra, what we call a Sabra, and she she never dealt with such a, such a, uh, an issue or problem. When I'm telling the story of Rachel, when I'm telling the story of her, and I have to go back to her background. What made her 
leave her baby? What made her go to England? What made her change her personality, her, change her life? So I, I have to tell the story of what happened to her. So I'm, I'm going back to the beauty queen of Jerusalem and then telling the story that happened between her and Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. So, then, yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. So let's go back to Aliyah, Aliyah's father seems so loving and kind, but he's also very put upon. What's going on with him? He's a very kind man. He's a very good man. And Oli, and he loves his wife very much. And she's a strange woman, his wife. She has a strange behavior. And uh, and he also loves his daughter to death. He loves her. And he he need he, he have to he have to, you know, to make peace between these two people, he have to find his place between these two, you know, like tiger women that all the time fight with each other. He must find a way, you know, his his path to live. If he if he will if he will not be what who he is, he, he cannot live with his wife. It's impossible. So, I think to me, I'm, I mean, for many people, Shaul, that's the character name. Is a very weak person. I think he's a strong person. I think that a man who can, you know, um, in Hebrew we say le'achil. How do you say it in English? Who can accept, accept such a, such a woman to his life, and such a daughter to his life, and love them both, and still be himself. You know, he is himself. Is a very strong person. So Aliyah's mother Lily, she's like a tornado. Why is she so obsessed with the baby who died? Because it was the first time in her life that she had a family. The first time in her life that she loved someone she never loved before. And it was the first time in her life that she felt connected to someone. And he was he, he was taken away from her. He was taken away from her. She loved him so much. She never felt love before. She never felt belong before. And then she, the baby belongs to her and she belongs to him. And suddenly out of the blue, one day he's dead. And she cannot let him go. She, touch, she, she you know, she, she's keeping him. She have to, she don't have, she don't have a choice. She, she's so obsessed with him. And, and you know, one of the worst uh, things that happened to a person in his life is to lose a child. It's a pain that it's unbearable. And she's suffering. And she cannot love anyone else because when she had the baby, her baby, Leah, when Leah was born, after he died, she's not, she, 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 she's afraid to love her because she believes that everything she loves is taken away from her. She feels peace with the baby because, as I said before, it's the first time that she felt belonged to someone. So she go to the cemetery every day, talk to him. He talks to her in a strange way. And the only place she finds a piece of love, a piece of, uh, you know, a peace in her heart is when she's sitting near the grave and uh, feeling as if the baby is alive. It's yeah. crazy. But it's so crazy. Is. It's so sad. Lily also, she doesn't have any friends. Her only relationship outside of the family is the Bishara. Can you say more about why Lily trusts a soothsayer about everything in her life? And why does the Bishara 
plant the seed of the woman with a dark heart? The only way Lily can speak to someone in about herself is some is to speak to someone that there's no way that he will ever tell anyone what she said to him. That's how it starts actually. The relationship with the Bshara starts when she realized that she will the Bshara will never, never ever betray her and that she can tell her everything. And um, she starts Actually, in the beginning, if you remember, she don't want the Bshara to tell her anything about her past. She don't want to know about her mother in the beginning. And then when she tell her about a woman beyond the sea, that there's a woman beyond the sea, that's when she start to, to a little bit to, to think that maybe she have to find out who that woman is. But the, the reason she have a relationship with the Bshara, it's only because, only because, but she trusts her. The only person in the world that she trusts. She don't trust, trust her, her husband. She absolutely don't trust and not love his parents. She have no friends, nothing. The only friend she had was that uh, a girl from uh, from uh, Iraq that she met, she met in the uh, boarding school. You know, the girl that took her to the Pshara. They were friends for, for a short while. And um, she never had another friend. Yeah, that was very sad. She's a really difficult, complicated, complex woman. So when when we first meet him, the psychiatrist, Dr. Kaminsky, seems just terrible. And and Aliyah hates him, too. Can you say more about him? Well, actually, <laughs> I built this character on a very famous psychiatrist. In Israel, that uh, used to be like a, somehow a TV star here as a psychiatrist, and uh, he was very arrogant, very arrogant, very sure of himself, and that's how Doctor Kaminsky is. He's very arrogant, very sure of himself. He have no heart for Elia, no heart at all. He 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 he, he don't really get into her. Um, I don't know. I can't. I, I, it's difficult for me to. It, to even say it in English because he's like he's like going in in with an elephant steps into her heart, you know, and uh, just an, an an arrogant psychiatrist. But the That's real what... one that you based him on is that you described Dr. Kaminsky as fat and bald and sloppy and, <laughs> and, smoking, and smoking and smoking. Yeah, yeah. not uh, not he doesn't inspire confidence. No, but probably he's a good psychiatrist because Elda also go to him, you know. You know, but uh, I, I, I mean, when I wrote him, I remember this psychiatrist, which, I, which I'll never mention his name, but he, he was very few, famous in Israel uh, in a period of time. Uh, but uh, only his image, not his character. And, okay, uh, okay. You know, you, you start to write something and then the character built itself. That's right. That's right. So I loved the scene when Aliyah visits her grandparents and her grandmother tells stories about where they came from, remembering the beauty and sweetness of their lives before they left the beautiful city of Monastir in Tunisia. Yeah. How? No, it's not Tunisia. Not it's the monastery that's in Tunisia? It's Macedonia. In Macedonia. How did yeah. you choose it as the place they came from? Is Do you have a connection to it? And how, and does it deserve the praise that Aliyah's mother, grandmother gives it? Let me tell you a story. 
It's a very interesting story. I'm the eighth generation of my family in Jerusalem. It's a very, very old Jerusalemian family. But my grandfather from my father's side, his name was Avraham Ishai, came to, to Israel from Monastir, which the, the, actually the name is Bitola. Monastir is the Turkish name of uh, the city of Bitola in Macedonia. He was a very old man, very old man. He married, his, uh, he was much older than my grandmother, and he died when I was five years old. I remember him. He was a tall person, and uh, he never spoke, and everybody respected him so much. He was a very respectable kind of father. You know, his children never talked to him, and they knew nothing of him. The, the only thing they knew is that he came from this uh, monastery community in Bitola. Now, he didn't have family. I'm coming from a tribe. Believe me, <laughs> in Jerusalem, we are a tribe. And, uh, and my grandfather didn't have uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, nothing. And I, I was very curious to know his background. I was there. I asked my father. He knew nothing. My uncles, my aunt. They say to they say to me he never spoke about his family. I said you never met someone from his family. They said no. And I was I I was obsessed. I say to myself there's no way there must be a family. So I went to Macedonia. You know I was a journalist, right? So in one of my trips as a journalist, I, I, I went to Macedonia and I was received by someone from the government and I said to him, look, listen, I want to find my ancest my, my roots and I have roots in the city. And then I, I heard a story which amazed me and shocked me, shocked me. Again, I'm coming from a Sephardic family, right? I realized then that all the Jews, most of the Jews of Macedonia, Bitola, Skopje, they all died in the in the in Auschwitz, except those who immigrated to 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 the states before the Second World War, and those who immigrated to Palestine to Israel. And then I realized for the first time in my life that my family, my you know, when my father, my grandfather came to Israel, he left there his family, he left his mother, his father, he left his probably his uncles and his aunts, his cousins. So all of them died in Auschwitz, and I was shocked because I'm not coming from an Ashkenazi family. I'm coming from a Sephardic family. Just to be clear, so you weren't from, your family wasn't from Eastern Europe. Your family was from the Middle East and... um, From Europe, from Toledo, Spain, from South of Europe. Mm -hmm. They came to Israel many, many generations ago. And my father is from the, uh, I think Macedonia is in south of, uh, is the, um, it's not east, east of Europe. I think it's somewhere between the east and the, and the south, but I'm not sure. Anyway, I, I, I was so shocked to find out that it was like a revealing something, you know? So you gave, off, you gave Aliyah's grandparents a little bit of your grandparents. So I wanted to tell the story. Okay. Of the Jews of Macedonia. It was unknown and untold. Yeah. And, and so Aliyah's, to... Aliyah's grandmother tells it. I love that part. I also love when Aliyah's grandfather begs her to remember the family story that you just told so she can forgive, repair, and mend. 
just he was a jeweler, just like an old and valuable piece of jewelry that was beautiful. He's most concerned. He's most concerned that the family will never be divided again. Can you yeah. talk about that a bit? That he never wa- he wanted the family to always be together. Who Shaul? Uh, no, the grandfather, Elias' grandfather. Ah, oh, yeah, Elias. Elias' grandparents were very hurt by Lily. She Lily dis- Lily disconnected the Shaul and the Leah from her from the grandparents. Shaul from the parents and the Elia from the grandparents and the Lily was actually couldn't stand the point that uh, Shaul have a family and she don't. She didn't know how to be part of a family. So she made she she made to Sha it to clear to Shaul, if you're going to be in touch with your parents, you 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 won't be in touch with me. You have to choose me or your parents. And she he chose her. And His parents were so so hurt by it, mainly his father, especially his father, because his mother never liked Lily. She didn't like Lily. She didn't accept her as a, as a as his wife. but he, but his father, such a good person, he was very hurt, very, very hurt by the the point that he, 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 his, his son lived a few blocks away from his house and he don't see him. And he don't see his granddaughter. So he really, it was really important for him, very important for him. To keep, he begged her to, pick, to, uh, to keep the family together. Of course. Yeah. One more history question. Rachel's boss tells her how the British were heroes after they got rid of the Turks in 1917. But now, during the years of the British mandate, before 1948, They're despised. Can you say a little about how Rachel was trying to get British soldiers to drink and how um, how people why people were so angry at her, why they spat at her and threw things at her and considered her uh, a terrible human a being? Whore. Mm-hmm. A whore. A whore. A, it's an historical story, actually. You know, when the British came to Israel and... and uh, The, 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 the Ottomans, the Turkish, were terrible. They were very cruel, very, very cruel. So when the British came, uh, came to, to, the, to, the state of, to the land of Israel then, the, the, the people uh, of Israel, they, they were called the Yeshuv. The name was Yeshuv. Uh, were very happy that they, that they came, you know. They were very happy. They, they welcomed them. Because they were heroes, because they threw out the, the, the Ottomans, the, the Turks. And the, even the agency, the Sukhnut, how do you say, so, do you know what is a Sukhnut? The Jewish agency, you know, she asked young girls uh, from, from a good homes uh, to meet with them. The, she, she, she created the clubs so, that, so the young girls can meet the, the British and, uh, and uh, spend time with them. Let them know about is uh, about the, the Jews of of uh, of Palestine. Open their heart to the Jews and even take them uh, to uh, tours around the country to show them the country. The meaning was well. The meaning was uh, that so the British will be in, in in the Jews side and not in the Arab side. That was the meaning. But what happened was that uh, some. Some good some girls from very good families, very good families, uh, 
fell in love with the British and married them and and uh, but you know as as it always in in a time of uh, troubles um those girls who came from a poor families mainly new immigrants that uh, came along without family to Israel needed money needed uh, I don't know so they start to meet them and 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 in in time the 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 Israeli, the Jews from Israel started to hate the British because the British were poor Arabs and uh, and all the underground um, fight against the British. And women or girls that spent time with the British considered as the um, how do you say Bugedet? Betrayed. How do you say Bugedet? Betrayed. Say Bugedet? They were betrayed. betrayed. Mm-hmm. They, they considered as the betrayed women. Yes. Like, you know, like the, the, the women in Paris that met the Nazis. Yes, yes. They betrayed, yes, oh. totally. Um, that's why they treated them like a piece of shit, you know. Like that's yes. What, that's what they call them they whores. And so yeah. it was a really interesting historical part of the book and very, very moving about what happened to Rachel and yeah. how, she, how she pulled out of it. That was interesting yeah, too. She, she really had a plan. Yeah, she, said, she I'm did. To find me a British officer, and he's going to take me away from this terrible country, and I'm going to have a new identity. Yeah, she's standing on the boat. They are leaving the Haifa port. She's standing on the boat, and she say, "I'm not going to miss you, my my my, my old it, country." It this was a difficult place. I, it was totally yeah, understandable. This is the last time I see the the Car- the, the Mount Carmel. I don't want to see you again. And then, and she's changed her identity. She became a British lady. Yep. Um, Sarit, I have one last, uh, two last questions. One is, I have not heard the term Gogol Mogul since I was a child. My <laughs> grandmother and then my, my father used to make them for us when we were sick. Can you share your secret recipe for Gogol Mogul? My God, I don't have the, the secret recipe. The woman, <laughs> the woman who has the, the secret recipe is the Paula Ben-Gurion, and she's dead many years ago. But she always used to say, <laughs> she was a very funny, funny lady, she always used to say that uh, in the morning she make Google Moogle for Ben-Gurion. Actually, it's an egg, right? Yes, it's an egg in milk. It's the most disgusting thing. <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting, I know. So the, so Google Moogle became like a, like a joke here in Israel. Well, it was warm milk, and I couldn't stand it, so my dad used to put chocolate, so it was a cocoa mogul. <laughs> it was still disgusting. Um, so, sorry, what are you working on now? Well, I have many, many plans. First of all, you know that uh, the Beauty Queen of Jerusalem run in uh, Netflix. It's going to be now. It's going to be very soon. The second season. We are going. Um, maybe it's too early to speak about it. What but are you writing? Have... What are you writing? Ah, but we have also great plans for the Women Beyond the Sea. But I can't tell you now, although I signed the contracts. But it's still too early. Uh, I'm writing the, my third book. My third book, and I'm I'm about to finish it. Actually, I'm stuck with the ending. As usual, I take my time. I don't rush my story, and I don't rush my characters. And I wrote like up to now five different ended. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> the book. Um, I'm going to finish it. I hope next week. I uh, I'm I'm usually I need the. 
I, I need a getaway place. So I, I'll be by myself and the, notice there being no children, no grandchildren, no, not, no one. And I, I'm going to take like a week away mm. in the Galilee in a, in a very, very secure place. Nice. And I'm going to finish it. Yes. Or yes. on another, another possibility is you find a Bashara who can tell you what to do. You know what? What's the, very interesting? I don't believe in such a thing. <laughs> I don't believe okay, in, so in, don't go. <laughs> in cards. I don't believe in witches. I don't believe in Basha. I don't believe in it. And here I wrote someone about something that I don't believe in. But uh, that's what's so fantastic about being a writer. You build the worlds and uh, you build characters and uh, who are not you, who are not your, your world and the... Uh, you just live in another life with another people. It's amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's just been a pleasure, Sarit. Thanks and best of luck. Thank you so much. I hope my English was good enough. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is GP Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Hope you all have a good book to cuddle up with today and always. Happy reading.